All right, turn with me to Luke chapter 1. That'll be our text today, so you can grab your Bible, grab your phone, and meet me there in Luke chapter 1. I had an experience with my kids a few weeks ago that I think most parents will probably be able to relate to where I was just sitting on the couch minding my own business and then a tornado of arguing rolled into the room between the two of them. And I didn't know right away what had happened to precede it, but one of them was saying, you're lying. And the other one responded, no, I'm not, you're lying. And then the first one said, no, I'm not, you're lying. And then the other one said, no, I'm not, you're lying. And then just to take it up a notch, the first one said, no, I'm not, you're lying. And now this feedback loop is going to continue on for four hours if I don't interrupt it. And so we got everyone to their corners. We talked through some stuff. We figured some stuff out. Turns out nobody was actually lying. They just had differences of opinions on something. And it all worked out. Two minutes later, they're best friends again, and everybody is fine. But we live in a time where... News we don't like is fake news. Facts we don't like are alternative facts. There's my truth. There's your truth. I'm, a, I'm the one who has the truth. You're the one who's lying. I'm right. You're wrong. We have access to basically all information that has ever existed. Does that ever blow your mind? That should blow our mind regularly. 25 years ago, you would have to go to the library and get an encyclopedia. And now you have all information in your pocket right now. All knowledge that humans know is available to us. Not only that, all opinions that people have are, are available at the same time. I remember the first time I got Facebook, which was in the mid-2000s, and thinking, I don't need to know all your thoughts all day long. I don't need to know every single thing. But we know everybody's opinion on everything. We have all of this information available. We have lots of differences of opinions on who is right and who is wrong and what is true and what is false. And all of this stuff is available to us. And this preacher says this, but that preacher says the opposite. And this politician says this, and that politician says it's not true. And this doctor is saying this about COVID, but that doctor over there is saying that. And trying to figure out what is true can just be exhausting. And there's a tendency to want to say, oh, you can't, even, you can't even know. Like, why bother trying? There's so much information, so many opinions, so much passion, so much fire. And there can be a temptation just to throw in the towel and say, oh, why even bother? But as followers of Jesus, we don't do that. As followers of Jesus, we have to go further than that. Because we actually believe in truth. We believe that truth exists. We believe that when Jesus walked the earth, he said, I am the way. I am the and the life. So we follow a Savior whose name is truth. The Bible is called the Word of Truth. Jesus said, I'm going to send you the Holy Spirit, who is the Spirit of truth, and he will lead you into all. So truth is real because God is truth. Truth is perfect because God is perfect. Truth is available. And yet there is a world of opinion out there. There's a world of error out there. Scripture says in the last days there will be deceiving doctrines that come and lead the people of God astray. That there's going to be things that aren't true, that people will think are true, that, that there will be deception in the air. And so whether it's a theological issue that we're wrestling with or God's word, whether it's political things that are happening around us, whether it's the season that we're in with COVID right now, we want 
want to know what the truth is. If there is fake news happening, I want to know that it's fake. If that doctor doesn't have it right, I want to know that they don't have it right. And so if we are to be followers of Jesus, we are to be discerning people. We need to know what truth is. We need to know how to pick out the truth from the error. And so that's why we are launching this series today that we've just called Truth Seekers. Christ followers need to be truth seekers. And if we believe truth exists, and if we believe that it's important to God, and if we believe that that's part of who he is, then truth should be very, very, very important to us as followers of Jesus. And I want to learn how to discern better with all the noise, with all of the divergent opinions, with everything going on. How do I know what the truth is? Jesus, when he was on trial with Pilate in John chapter 18, said, The reason I was born and came into the world is to testify to the truth. Everyone on the side of truth listens to me. So if we are going to call ourselves followers of Jesus, if we're going to be ones who listen to him and take his word seriously, we want to be on the side of truth. We want to be on his side. His side is the side of truth. And if truth exists, I want to find it. Pilate's response when Jesus said that is, What is truth? So this is not a new conversation, just a rhetorical question. Pilate says, well, what is truth? You say you have the truth. What is that truth? And we just want to spend some time this fall digging into that. How can we learn better how to discern what is true and what is not, whether it's biblically, whether it's in the world around us, people who follow after Jesus, who have the word of truth, the spirit of truth, who follow after the Savior whose name is truth, we should be well-versed in truth, and we should be able to pick it out. And so it's going to be a very practical series this fall. I'm going to we're going to talk about some different tools that we can use. But let's take a look at our text as we get going. We're in Luke chapter 1. We're starting in verse 1. And so this is a topical sermon series. Uh, we're not going to walk through passages of Scripture verse by verse like we do sometimes. We're going to look at a bunch of different Scripture as we wrestle through this issue together. But let's take a look, a look at Luke chapter 1, verse 1. Many have undertaken to draw up an account of the things that have been fulfilled among us, just as they were handed down to us by those who from the first were eyewitnesses and servants of the word. With this in mind, since I myself have carefully investigated everything from the beginning, I too decided to write an orderly account for you, most excellent Theophilus, so that you may know the certainty of the things you have been taught." So we'll start there, and we'll just use that to launch into some other things today. So Luke writes the Gospel of Luke. He also writes the book of Acts. These are historical accounts. The Gospel of Luke is an account of the life and death and resurrection of Jesus. The book of Acts is a historical account of the beginning of the church. And so Luke writes them both, and as he writes them both, he is writing them both to someone named Theophilus. We don't really know anything about who Theophilus is, but a theory that I tend to agree with, we can't know for sure, is that Theophilus Theophilus was probably some sort of Roman official. He's given the title most excellent, Theophilus, which is typically how you would speak of an elected official of some kind or an appointed official. And Luke is writing to him, who is probably a new-ish believer, and he says in these first few verses that I have put together this gospel so that you can know, so that you can be encouraged in your faith. You can know what you believe, and you can have that certainty of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so as Luke starts this, he doesn't just uh, make up a story about Jesus, and he also doesn't just automatically believe everything he's heard necessarily about Jesus. He says, Theophilus, for your sake, I have gone to the eyewitnesses. I have looked to the evidence. I have heard from the people who were there, or I've read their stuff. I have done a careful investigation. I have done a careful investigation into truth. 
And as I have done my careful investigation, and we would say, of course, as led by the Holy Spirit, I have crafted together this, which is the truth about Jesus Christ, in order that you can know better what you have been taught. And so Luke does some homework when it came to truth. He actually does some digging. He does some investigating, a careful investigation. And if we are going to be followers of Jesus, we also need to be careful investigators into what is true and what is not. Now, here's what's going to be very easy to do in this series. It's going to be very easy to listen to me talk and think that I'm talking to the people you disagree with. It's going to be very easy to say, I know someone who needs to hear that. I'm talking to you, okay? There is something for all of us to learn, myself included, as we go through this. So turn to the person next to you and say, he's talking to you. We're not going to brush this off and dismiss it and say, well, that's for people on the other side of the political opinions. No, this is for all of us. We're all going to learn something as we go through this. So we are seeking after truth. So first point, truth requires searching through evidence. That's not a bad thing. A search is not bad. Luke just told us so. How do we know this gospel is true? Luke says, I did a careful investigation as to the truth. Proverbs 4, verse 7 says, the beginning of wisdom is this. Get wisdom. Love that line. There's something about it. Here's how you're wise. Be wise. Though it cost all you have, get understanding. I'll say that one again. Though it cost all you have, get understanding. Though it costs you something, go find that understanding. Go find that truth. The danger of the age we live in is we have all this information available, but just because we know the information doesn't mean we have the understanding. Just because we have access to the knowledge doesn't mean we know what it means. It doesn't mean that it is true. It doesn't mean that it has sunk in. Though it costs all you have, get understanding. To know what truth is, we sometimes have to dig a little bit, and we can be encouraged that that's exactly what Luke did when he wrote his gospel. I went to the eyewitnesses. I made a careful investigation, and I've arrived at the truth. When we have all of this information, again, it's in your pocket right now. There's a world of headlines. There's a world of opinions. There's a world of everybody claiming to have truth. It's all just right there. You don't have to go searching for it. It is spoon-fed to you. It is hand-delivered to you. It's in your pocket right now. And when we have that much information coming at us and that much available to us, it's sometimes easy just to kind of take it and say, well, okay, that's the truth. All right, I'll take it as truth. That headline, sure, that's true. That doctor's opinion, of course, that's true. That political opinion, I'll receive it as truth. And it might not be. We have to do some digging to make sure things are true. Though it cost us something, we're going to go seek after that understanding. Neil Postman was an educator, and uh, in the 80s, he wrote a book called Amusing Ourselves to Death. Some of you might remember it. And it's interesting. He was talking about television in particular in the mid-80s, and he had a concern of what television was going to do to our kids. But look at what he said in 1985 compared to the world we're in today. He says, people will come to adore the technologies that undo their capacities to think. So he doesn't know smartphones are coming. He doesn't know the internet is coming. But when you have this much available, it really, like, our phones can just do our thinking for us. Our, our news feeds can do our thinking for us. The things that we read online can do our thinkings for us. The news anchor can do our thinking for us. And, and it's easier, right? Like, you don't have to do any digging. Just believe what the news anchor said. You don't have to do any digging. I said in the first service, listen, guys, I don't even expect you to automatically swallow everything that I share from the pulpit. 
And I, I hope you trust me, and I hope this doesn't come from any cynicism, but when I preach something, you should go to the Word, and you should say, do I see this lining up? Does this make sense? For any teaching, for any book, for any podcast, we should always be measuring, always testing, always evaluating, is this truth? Scripture talks about the Bereans in the book of Acts who listened to the message of Paul, the gospel. It says they received it with great joy, and then they went to the Scriptures just to make sure that it actually lined up. So we are to be constantly searching, constantly checking, not letting our phones make our decisions for us, not letting that happen. Just because we have information doesn't mean we have understanding. Though it costs all you have, get understanding. Go digging, go searching. So I'm going to use some practical examples as we go throughout this series. And so some of them are going to be examples that some of you have shared and posted. Uh, and if that is the case, I apologize in a way, but it is the type of thing that I do want us to be talking about in this Time. So there was a headline that was going around a couple of weeks ago. Uh, I've had conversations with some of you about it who had shared it. This was the headline. It said, this week, the CDC, Center for Disease Control, quietly updated the COVID number to admit that only 6% of all of the 153,504 deaths recorded actually died from COVID. So this spread like wildfire in the last week. So the Center for Disease Control, the ones who oversee that health branch of the American government, they quietly changed the numbers so that to say of the 153,000 who died, only 6% of them actually died from COVID. It just took off like wildfire. Now, I am not here to start a debate about COVID. That's a stupid thing to start a debate about in this day and age. I'm not here to start a debate about the CDC or about testing or about any of those things. I am purely talking about this particular headline. Is this headline true or not? Did the CDC quietly update the numbers to admit that only 6% of the deaths actually died from COVID? Someone had posted that and said, check it out for yourself. And so I did. Because truth involves a little bit of searching. Gaining understanding might cost us something, but you go searching. So everything is online. Everything is available. And so I went and I looked up the report that this was talking about. And it turns out that the headline is not true. And again, I'm not starting a debate about percentages or anything. I'm just saying that's not what the report said. That's just not what it said. What the report said was, first of all, there was nothing quietly done. It was the weekly report. They've been doing it the whole time. It's online. Anybody can read it. They weren't admitting anything. They were just sharing their numbers. But what it said was 6% of that massive number of people who have died died of COVID and only COVID. They had no other conditions. They were otherwise healthy. They got COVID and they died of COVID. The other 94% were the ones who got COVID and that COVID aggravated their diabetes, their blood pressure, their lung disease, heart disease, all of those things that they've been talking to us about since the beginning. That if you have these issues and you get COVID, you are much more likely to have a rough time. That's what it was saying. So 6% were otherwise healthy. The 94% had other things and COVID was just the trigger that fired the bullet that ultimately ended their lives. So that's very different. Now most of the news sites that were reporting it this way have changed it since then to adjust it to the way that I just explained it. But it just took a little digging. It took me all of five minutes to go, hey, if that's true, I would like to know that it's true. It took five minutes to determine that that's not what the CDC report said. It's just not what it said. 
And so sometimes it takes a little digging to discover if something's true. In my schooling, the line is, go to the source. Don't just believe someone's opinion on the source. Go to the source yourself. Take a look. Read it yourself. It did not take that long to do a little digging in order to figure that out. Though it cost us everything we have, we want to seek understanding. And part of that pursuit of truth and understanding is to dig into the evidence. Does the evidence back up the statement that is being made? When Jesus was talking to his to his disciples in John chapter 14, verse 11, he says, believe me when I say that I'm in the Father and the Father is in me. So it starts there. Jesus says, trust my words. Trust me when I tell you this. And then he says, or at least believe on the evidence of the works themselves. Believe in the miracles that you've seen. If you're struggling with believing that I am who I say I am, look at the evidence. That will help you determine the truth. And so truth is something we search for, we weigh out the evidence, we look to the facts, we look to different things, and we, we don't just receive anything that we're told. We go searching. Even if it costs us something, we are looking to gain understanding. Moving on, truth is objective and impartial. Truth is perfect. Ultimately, truth comes from God, and God is perfect. So truth is perfect, and we believe that it is perfect. Now, those of us who are seeking the truth are not perfect. And so we bring our own opinions, our own biases, our own self, our own flesh, our own sin to these discussions, and that's where things can get interesting. But truth on its own, it is unchanging, it is unbiased. Someone had posted something this week that said, uh, you know, we don't believe in progressive Christianity because Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. The truth never changes. Culture changes, but the gospel is the same. Our mode of church might change, and it certainly has over the centuries, but the gospel is the same. The truth of God's word is the same. It doesn't change. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Truth is unchanging. Now, the Greek word that we use for truth in the New Testament is aletheia, and just commonly translated as truth, if you look it up in Strong's, the additional words that go with it are that which is reality and that which is factual. So truth should be verifiable because facts don't change. We should be able to check truth and see, uh, and we should be able to reproduce truth, and other people should be able to look at the facts and also see that and come to that as truth. But the problem is, is that we, again, we bring a lot of ourselves. We bring a lot of our own opinions. We bring a lot of our own biases, and we're going to take some time in this series to talk just about that. Here's another real-life story, and this was a tragic story. Uh, obviously, there's a lot of racial unrest in the States right now, and so one of the most recent tragedies involving the police was a man named Jacob Blake, and you might have seen this video, and when it first got reported, the way it was reported is unarmed black man shot in the back by police as he got into his car. And the video started right about here, and that is exactly what it looked like. You just There were 10 seconds of video. I saw the video when it first came out. It just made you feel sick. You just went, oh, like just, oh. And that just took off. That story took off. Just unarmed, shot in the back, right away in Kenosha. Riots, right? Riots started. And then that situation, riots and more riots and more shootings and more horribleness, this story that took off. And then what ended up happening in the days to come is that although there was an element of truth in that story, it was far from the whole truth. 
And so where it instantly went to full-out outrage over what looked like this horrible thing, more stories came out, more video came out, more eyewitnesses came out. And, and he had fought with the police beforehand, and there had been a struggle. And I, I don't know what the right thing to do in that situation would have been, but there was a lot more to the story than what was initially told. And so for those who heard a snippet of it and went, that's truth, and ran with it, and even going to violence and riots and looting in the street, it just it wasn't the whole truth they didn't wait they didn't do any digging there wasn't any searching for more and it was just received as truth and then we were off to the horrible races that we were in and as more truth unfolded the story became different there was an element of truth in this first part but it was far from the whole thing and we don't always take the time to do that search to do that evaluation the internet is not wired for integrity it's wired for speed right how fast can things get out as quickly as possible? And we don't take the time to weigh and investigate and measure and be calm. There was another shooting in the States where uh, another African-American man was shot and killed by police. And the police officers were fired the next day, like just right away. As soon as the news broke, it happened one night. The next morning, they were fired. And maybe that's exactly what should have happened. I, I don't know. Maybe that is exactly the right thing. My concern wasn't that so much as I just thought, you know, in the few hours that you've known about this story, there's no way you have investigated the truth. There's no way you have taken time to dig into all the details. Maybe that should have been exactly what happened, but I just don't imagine that it was possible that a real, genuine search for truth happened. And, you know, we need to be praying for the states. We need to be praying for our, our African-American brothers and sisters. We need to be praying for our police. What a terrible job to be a cop in the best of circumstances, right? I can't imagine what it is like to be a police officer and just to have to make split-second decisions and life and death decisions and adrenaline and safety and all of these things are happening and training is kicking in. Like, I, I can't imagine. And that's not to say we shouldn't ask questions or, or say, hey, can we do better on this stuff? But we certainly honor and respect our police officers, of course. Course. And my concern in this time is that the truth search isn't happening, is that in the name of speed, in the name of the mob, in the name of the outrage, as, as what is perceived as truth just goes global and viral so quickly that we're not actually taking the time to investigate and say, is there more to the story? Is there another side? Is there more we need to understand before we start jumping to conclusions on things? We should never be afraid to dig, when, and we should just trust that truth that is truth will still be truth after a little bit of digging. And so when we have these moments then where there's, there's passionate uh, moments and there's disagreements and there's fighting and there's frustration, uh, the phrases that have become popular over the last maybe 10 years is my truth and your truth, right? Is that, what do you think happened? Well, that's not my truth. That's your truth, Mike, but that's not my truth. Your version of the story, that's not my version of the story. So if I'm driving my car and I smack into the back of Jeff's car and I say, well, his brake lights were out, so it's not my fault. I didn't know he was stopping until it was too late. And boom, and I hit him. It's his fault. And Jeff says, that's not my truth. I saw you texting while you were driving. That's my truth. And I say, well, that might be your truth, but that's not my truth. And we can only say my truth and your truth when we don't understand what the word truth means. There can't be different versions of truth. Truth is what is based in facts and reality. It is not something that we can change person by person. Now, we have lots of perspectives that might be different, interpretations that might be different, but there can't be my truth and your truth. And honestly, I, I really do think we need to be careful about that word. 
And same with the word lies. I've said to my kids, guys, like when you don't like someone says, you don't just call them a liar. That's not a word you just throw out there, right? There's a specific meaning to that. And same with truth. And if we're going to allow people around us to bandy around truth as if it's not an important word, as if it's just something that we can bend and it can be whatever you think or I think, then we're not doing our jobs, I think, as Christ followers because we believe in truth. And we need to defend that word and not let it just be something that you can twist into your truth or I can twist into my truth. What people mean when they say my truth or your truth, all they mean is my opinion and your opinion. That's what they're actually talking about. Because even in that example with Jeff and me and the fender bender, there is truth there. Now, I have my opinion, and he has his opinion, but the truth does exist in there somewhere, and we want to be people who search for it. Truth is perfectly right every time. Truth doesn't change. My opinions very well could not be right. My opinions can change. My opinions have changed over the years. Now, here's the problem, is when I am sharing my opinion, I am very confident that it is, in fact, the truth. I am very confident that I am right, that I have the truth, that I have figured it out. That's why I believe in it, because I am quite certain that I am right. And when you are quite certain you are right, well, now we're in an argument. Now we're off to the races. And we're fighting over because I have the truth and you are in error and you feel like you have the truth and I am in error. And sometimes all we're really talking about is we have different opinions on something and there are four very helpful words that will help us get through life. Are you ready? I might be wrong. That's helpful in marriage. That's helpful in friendship. That's helpful in theological debates. That's helpful in political debates. That's helpful as we're navigating COVID. Just the humility to say, I might be wrong. Are you Jesus? You're not? Then you might be wrong on just about anything. I might be wrong. And just to have that level of humility to say, you know what, I, I, there are things that are worth fighting over. There's a lot of things that just aren't worth fighting over. There are truths we need to stand for. There are other things that are just opinions that we can agree to disagree on. And having the wisdom and the maturity to know the difference and how do we hold all of those things in tension together. Because when we start disagreeing with each other, we can. We can do that. But the way we do it is really important because our search for truth does not trump love. Our desire to search for truth, our belief that we are right, does not remove our commandment to love one another. 1 Corinthians 13, verses 4 to 7, we read this at weddings often, but it's actually not about romantic love. It's about brotherly love, sisterly love, the love we share for one another. Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects. It always trusts. It always hopes. It always perseveres. We've all probably heard that a million times. It's still powerful. That's still an amazing passage of Scripture. Love is not easily angered. How often do you read something online and go, just something rises up in you? That's not what love does. When we're arguing with each other, we're getting rude. We're getting disrespectful. That's not what love does. 
We can disagree, but we have to learn how to do that in a way that is consistent with what the Bible says about love. And this age we live in is is so interesting because, again, we have all this information. We're online all the time. You have access to all these different opinions on all these different things. And it's just like the Internet is just people fighting. (laughs) Like 90% of the internet is people fighting about whatever, about theology, about politics, about whatever it is. And so in the time we're living, and 2020 has been a weird year, there does seem to be something that whatever the disagreement is, it's cranked up to an 11 out of 10 on the scale. Like it's just, it's intense, and it's fiery, and people are passionate, and people are getting angry. And there's not very many who are saying, hey, I disagree with you. Let's have a measured and reasonable conversation about it, and maybe we will see where we come out at the end of all of this. Very few are talking that way. And so it ends up being we're disagreeing, and we disagree with knife jabs. We disagree with accusations. We disagree with name-calling. We disagree with slander. So if you're taking COVID seriously, people on the other side say you're fearful, right? If you're not taking COVID that seriously, people on the other side say you're ignorant. You're just not paying attention. If you're wearing a mask, you're a sheep, right? You are in government control. They're just overreaching, and you are right there in there with them. If you're not wearing a mask, you are selfish. You're not thinking about other people. You're only thinking about yourself. And if you are standing with the peaceful protesters, then you obviously hate the police. And if you're standing with the police, then you're obviously ignoring the protesters. And if you think white privilege is real, you're a reverse racist. And if you don't think it's real, you're just a straight-up racist. And on and on and on and on and on it goes. If you like Trump, then you have to support everything he says, even the terrible stuff. If you don't like Trump, are you even a Christian at all? This is how Christians are talking to each other right now. This is how some of us have been talking to each other. These are the things people are posting. This is how preachers are arguing. There's preachers in the states. The states is in a bit of a conflict right now because they were shut down for a while. Churches were shut down like we were, and then they reopened again. And then in some states, the government has shut them down again because they've had cases surge. And so there are ministries that have said, no, we are not going to shut down. We believe that we need to stay open, and we are an essential service, and so we're going to defy the government, and we are going to stay open and preach the gospel because that's what he has called us to do. And then there are other ministries who have said, no, we're going to submit to the government. We can still preach the gospel. We're just going to learn new ways to do it, so we're going to lean into it. This is a way for us to love our neighbor, and so that's our biblical conviction. Now, biblically, neither one of those are wrong. And so that one could be one where it just comes down to what is God saying to this church and what is God saying to this church? What is your discernment based on that? But these ministries are fighting with each other, and I'm watching them fight with each other, and some of them are names you would respect. They are godly men who you would admire. And it's just gotten, like, just mean and cruel. And it's not, hey, God bless you guys with your conviction. We're going to follow our conviction. It's those people don't know what church is all about. That's not true. Those people don't know what church is all about. Well, we are the ones who are taking the Bible seriously. Well, we think we're the ones who are taking the Bible seriously. Well, why are you being swayed by fear? Well, why are you being swayed by pressure? And it's just firing back and forth. And I'm looking at these men of God, and I'm saying, you don't sound any different than any secular politician fighting with another secular politician about an issue. Like, you sound exactly the same. When we are hurling these names at each other, we sound exactly the same. And any time the church is starting to sound the same as the world, we should be concerned. And if that's how the world disagrees, so be it. But for those of us who are called to love one another even unto death, we have to disagree better than that. 
We should not look like the world around us. And this is the problem, is that we spend all of our time in the news media, and we spend all of our time on social media, and the news media and social media are very much tools of this world. Right? They, and it's not that we can't be light there, and it's not that we can't uh, you know, share scripture there and do all of those kinds of things, but as much as we would like to think, I'll go into the world and I'll be a light and that'll just be easy, what often tends to happen when Christians go swimming in the waters of the world is they start to look more and more like the world. That's just so often the way that it goes. So if you're getting all of your news from the news media, like the news media is wired for outrage, right? It is wired to make you fearful, and it is wired to make you angry. And if you watch enough of it, you will start to become fearful, and you will start to become angry. Social media is wired for speed. There's something about it that is very divisive. And if you spend too much time on it, you will start to take on those qualities. And if we are talking to our fellow believers in a way that is contrary to 1 Corinthians 13 or any other passage about love, then we are falling short of the word of God. If I am rolling my eyes at people who disagree with me, if I'm talking about how ignorant people are who disagree with me, if I'm just, you know, getting together with my friends who feel the way I do, and together we're bashing those on the other side who feel differently, it's like, oh, those people with the mask, what mindless sheep they are. Look at those people without the mask. How selfish are they? If we are getting together and doing that, we are falling short of 1 Corinthians 13, which tells us to love one another because love doesn't dishonor one another. Love is kind. We're falling short of God's word. In the first service, when I did that list of, you know, all the different perspectives and the insults that we hurl, I say, did everyone get insulted by at least one of them? Good, because then I did my job to make the point. They said, how many of you have been saying those things about other people? How many of you have been getting together with people who agree with you and saying that about the other side? And everybody, pretty much. If we're not loving well in the way in which we disagree, We're falling short of God's word. When we fall short of God's word, we call that sin. And as your pastor who loves you, I'm saying, step away from your sin now. Come back to the word. Come back to what is true. Come back to what is right. We need to find a better way to do this. Disagreement doesn't need to be the problem. But in this age when we have all this information, 1 Corinthians 8.1 says, knowledge puffs up while love builds up. So we have all this information. Well, I heard this doctor say this, and I read this theological book on that, and I heard this politician talk about this, and I read this article over here. I have all of this knowledge, and it puffs us up. It makes us feel superior. And so when we're arguing about lockdown restrictions or if we're arguing about politics or we're arguing about theology, it often comes down to, well, here's what I know. I learned these things, and my head is now puffed up, and I am superior to you. I am smart and you are dumb. I have the truth. You are in error. I have figured it out and you haven't. Knowledge puffs up while love builds up. So in love, when we're in disagreement, we say, okay, we still believe in truth and we still believe we need to find the truth. There is a better way that we can go about it. There's a better way we can figure it out. If the knowledge that we have, even biblical knowledge, if the knowledge that we have is causing us to treat brothers and sisters differently than 1 Corinthians 13 calls us to, then we are in sin. And we need to find a better way to do that. James gives us a great tool here. Let every person be quick to hear Slow to speak, slow to anger, for the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. The anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. 
I'll say it again. The anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. Now listen, when I have a strong opinion on something and I am feeling angry, I am always very sure in the moment that that is very righteous anger. I am always sure that that is godly anger, right? When someone's in sin or promoting something that is sinful or whatever, I am always positive that my anger is righteous. But you know what? In retrospect, even if my cause was right, there's still always a lot of flesh mixed up in there, right? God's word is pure. The preacher who's preaching it right now is not always pure. And so we're bringing a lot of ourself to this stuff. Be quick to listen, right? We don't need to speak right away. We can just listen. Slow to speak, slow to post, slow to retweet, slow to share, slow to anger. And so when we feel the anger rising up, when someone says something we disagree with, okay, that's not what we were called to do. We're to be slow to anger. I'm going to take a step back. And I'm not going to say anything maybe right now because I'm angry. And in my anger, I might say something that I shouldn't. So I'm going to be slow to speak. Why do I need to post all these things? Is it, what good is it doing? Is it actually helping me love God and love my neighbor better? If it's not, then why do I need to be doing it? Slow to speak. The internet isn't wired for integrity. It's wired for speed. We're to be slow as the people of God, as we walk after truth and as we search for it together. Wrapping up, Christ followers must be truth seekers. That's obvious, obviously, but... Still needs to be said. We are to be truth seekers. If we are to be followers of Jesus, we're to be seekers of the truth. The Bible says in the last days there will be deceptions. There will be doctrines that lead people astray. There are going to be things that get in the way. We need to get grounded in truth now so that we are ready for those things when they come. And if we can't tell the truth of something that happens on a news site and we can't sort through that, then how are we going to handle later things when they come? We need to be committed to truth always and far beyond just what we're reading and far beyond just what we're understanding. We need to be people who speak the truth. We need to be people who live the truth. We need to be people of integrity who do what they say they're going to do, who live that truth out. And who mean what they say and say it and speak the truth in love when we need to speak the truth. We need to be committed to truth in every way if we're going to be followers of Jesus. We're not to be people who share in rumors or gossip or half-truths or exaggerations. We are to speak what truth is. And when errors are all around us, we want to be people who can figure that out. 1 Thessalonians 5, 21, 22 says, Test all things. Test everything. Just don't swallow anything. Test everything everything. Hold fast to what is good. Abstain from every form of evil. Test everything. How do we do that? Well, that's what the fall is going to be all about. That's what we're going to dig into in the weeks to come. How do we do that? How do we test against the Word of God, the Spirit of God, the Son of God? That's where we will be going. A few questions for you to ponder as we get ready to wrap up. Uh, and this was just, we got in this habit in the summer, we decided to keep it. Just, we had a couple of questions for the kids to think about, so here's some things for you to think about. What is truth? Yeah, have fun. Tell me what you think. How did you, how did you solve that one? Uh, but it is the right question to wrestle with. I don't know an easy explanation for it, other than what is truth? Well, Jesus, of course. Um, but what is it, and how do we know it when we see it? How can we tell? What is it we are searching for? What can make truth challenging to discern? We talked about some of those things today. How do I know if I'm in truth or opinion? I think that one is hugely important. If we understand our opinions, then maybe we won't fight as much or get as angry. How can I be loving in disagreement over opinions? And what are some ways that I can grow in knowing the truth? And again, we will take the fall to unpack some of that. Come on up, worship team. We're just about done. 
Truth ultimately comes from the Lord, and we will spend a few weeks talking just about that. The old analogy we used to use is that when they used to train bankers, how do you detect counterfeit currency? You wouldn't spend all your time focusing on the counterfeit currency because there's just too much of it, and there's just too many different ways they can do it, and they're, they're always coming up with new techniques of how to counterfeit, and so that wasn't how you dealt with it. That wasn't the way that you did it. What they would do to train bankers is they would give them the real currency. They would give them the true currency. And they would get familiar with the texture and the smell. And I was told that a banker could be blindfolded and you could put a bill in their hand and they could just tell by the weight and the feel of it whether it was real or whether it was not. So the way we stand against error is not to be obsessed with error. The way we stand against error is to get so grounded in truth that when the error comes, we can pick it up without a problem. We'll say, I know that's not right because that doesn't line up with God's word. I know that's not right because that doesn't line up with who Jesus is. I know that's not right because the spirit within me is showing me that that's not right. We get grounded in truth because God is the truth. So I'm excited. I think it's going to feel a bit like a punch in the face a little bit at times this fall as we go through this series. I think it's going to be challenging. But I am excited because I honestly, I really feel we need this. And this has always been the case, uh, especially since the internet was invented. All of this information, all of these opinions, um, it hasn't become worse, I think, during COVID. But something about this season has maybe brought it to the surface a little bit more. And we need to be people who know what truth is and who can walk with God in truth. And so that's where we'll be spending our fall. I'm excited to jump into that with you. Before we close, Pastor Sarah had asked for a couple of minutes, and so I'm going to pass it over to her.